Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This is Bonus Benson. This segment is officially completely off the rails. What are you talking about? Stuff we wish never aired. I will eat chalupas all day long. Come on, man. The Guy Benson Show. Home stretch on the Guy Benson Show. Thanks for tuning in. All right, so flashback with me. It's Friday night. I was getting ready to go to this event with Governor Abbott here in Texas. And based on several little pieces of evidence and concern, I decided to get a rapid test. And I told the whole story in the first hour. If you missed it, you can get it on the free podcast, GuyBensonShow.com. So I get the rapid test, do the old nostril swirl each side, put it in the thing, and then there is a little like pregnancy test style red line that you were not expecting or hoping to see, and I'm positive. So immediately my brain goes into contingency planning. How long am I going to be here? Where do I have to isolate? When do I move my flight? Do I have all of my equipment with me if I have to do the show from hotel rooms for a while, which I'm, of course, doing right now? (laughs) And I thought I probably need to tell producer Christine not to freak her out because Christine is, God love her, an excitable lady. And so I figured I would have to lead with the fact that I'm fine. There's nothing to be worried about. But we had to kind of talk this stuff through. What would next steps look like for the show? And if I couldn't get back to D.C., all these things. So I called her. This was Friday night. No answer. I sent her a text. No response. And to be fair to myself, I don't really call her or text her after hours very much at all. In the early days of the show, a lot more. But recently, I just kind of like leave her alone. But this was a situation where it was relatively urgent. I needed to convey this stuff to her. We had to talk it through. So then I called her again, nothing. And I just like called her every so often, probably five or six missed calls. Texted her like, hey, really have to talk. Nothing. So I'm starting to wonder, oh, do we have another quote-unquote airplane mode situation here with producer Christine. It is sort of uncanny. In the very rare circumstances where I actually need to get in touch with her after hours on a show, it's very hard to get in touch with her. It's just been, I don't know, bad luck or, you know, Cookie decides she's going to turn her phone off, the whole airplane mode debacle from Atlanta a couple months ago. That was not the most recent Atlanta trip. It was the previous Atlanta trip. In any case, I'm sitting here wondering, do I have to go through her husband again, Bobby? Which is what we ended up having to do (laughs) one of these times. But at long last, she returned my call. And Christine, would you care to tell the audience the very first thing that you said to me? I looked down at my phone. I saw some missed calls. I saw some text messages and I called you back. And I believe the first words I said to you were, I'm almost a bottle in. This better be an emergency. (laughs) 
Uh, and I think it was not even almost a bottle. I think it was, I'm a bottle in. And so <laughs> I then realized, so it was your your normal paranoia plus a bottle of wine. I wanted to sort of ease into the conversation and not frighten you. So I said about 10 different ways, I'm fine, everything's fine, don't worry, don't freak out, everything's going to be fine. And then I just told you that I tested positive. You gasped very loudly and then excused yourself, I guess, from this dinner party that you were at and went outside. We had the whole conversation and we've been in touch, of course, back and forth all weekend and a lot of it was kind of depending on how the rapid test would go because as soon as I can test negative, I'm I'm bouncing out of here as quickly as I can to get back home and got some weddings I'm supposed to go to this coming weekend. It's a whole thing. So now that I am here in hotel what, number two in the greater Austin, Texas area, and I'm feeling like 90% fine physically, and yet I'm still here, I know that you have a lot of curiosities, as you often do, as curious, Christine, about this experience. And one area in particular that I'd mentioned to you was the very strange, common side effect of taste and smell being affected, which was not the case like the first day or two, but by Saturday, it was definitely becoming a thing. And I actually was kind of bored by myself, alone in this hotel room on Saturday night, and I actually conducted some experiments because I have a very good friend from college, Josh, he and his lovely wife, Lindsay, they live in the Austin area. I was supposed to see them over the weekend, and I had to explain why I couldn't see them, and they immediately said, oh, well, what can we do to help? We want to bring you stuff. What can we do? And Dr. Sapphire had given me via text a bunch of advice. You should have this. You should have that. And so I gave them this list. I said, I'll Venmo you for the cost of everything, but if you wouldn't mind, it would be hugely helpful if you brought me these things. And Josh said, oh, Lindsay's cooking. She wants to cook you some meals. I said, well, I'm not opposed to a home-cooked meal. So he went and got all this stuff, and she did all this cooking, and he dropped it right outside my hotel room door. And we had a conversation. It was actually sort of sad. We had this conversation through the hotel door because I couldn't actually see him. I couldn't really spend time with him, but I wanted to thank him. And and anyone walking by probably thought the whole thing looked very weird. But I brought everything in. I've got a little fridge here in the hotel room. And there was a sort of an interesting array of different food and different things. And so on Saturday night, I said, how bad is my sense of taste? right now? How bad is my sense of smell right now? So I started doing little, as I said, experiments to test those propositions. And I would say the smell is pretty out of whack. Like I have a a cologne, the cologne I've used since high school, Polo Blue, if you must know. I think it's a classic, good scent. I sprayed it right in my face and took a big whiff and I had like only the tiniest hint of Polo Blue, barely. It's like, well, that's weird. Certain things I would taste, and it would be, here's how I would describe it. It's not that it was free of any taste or that the taste had disappeared altogether. It was as if, imagine you're watching TV, you don't mute the TV, but you turn it down until there's maybe just one or two bars where there's still almost muted sound, but you can hear it. 
that is the equivalent of what a lot of the taste has been for me. Where, like, the onion on a pizza, I can taste the onion, but it's just multiple levels lower than it should be, or that I know how it should taste, right? The only thing that really tasted completely wrong, totally off, was I had a Coors Light in the fridge. And this is not a Coors Light joke about it being, you know, a tasteless beer. That's not what I'm saying. I went and I'm like, I'm going to try this beer. Cracked it open, had a sip. Nope, not good. Not. It was, it was as if it were a seltzer, like seltzer water or club soda that had maybe gone bad or something like that. There was no hint of beer whatsoever. So that was very strange. And then on the other end of the spectrum, because Lindsay had cooked all this great stuff, and I could taste parts of it, but not others. I could taste, they sent me some mixed nuts. I could actually taste the difference between certain nuts. Like, okay, I know that this is a pecan. I can tell that this is a cashew. That's sort of weird. How can I distinguish between nuts, but I can't taste, you know, much bigger flavors, peppers or onions very well. She had also included a little Tupperware, and it was so cute. On each Tupperware, she had a little post-it note with instructions. This is the name of the dish. Here's how you reheat the dish. I felt very well taken care of by the team here, by producer Christine, by Dr. Sapphire, by my friends. I'm honestly, I feel very grateful and very fortunate in a lot of ways, as weird as that may be being holed up in a hotel room here. But one of the little containers that they included in this care package was fresh fruit. So there was strawberries blueberries, raspberries, and fresh cherries. And I said, okay, this is going to be interesting. Am I going to taste these berries at all? Strawberry, uh, I'd say like 50%. Raspberries, 80%. You could taste the raspberry. Blueberries, which are very subtle in taste to begin with, I could 100% taste the blueberries. I don't understand that. And then the cherries were perhaps the most delicious thing I've tasted in the last three days. The cherries had full-blown flavor, which was very exciting. The last point I will make before I turn it over to Curious Christine for questions is this. How long ago was it that here in the happy hour, I was talking about the new formula and recipe for Coke Zero and expressing my opposition to it? Because I'm a Coke Zero Sugar person. I have been for years. They're tinkering with the recipe again. Very upset. Well, Josh, when he dropped off the care package, knowing me quite well, had a six-pack of the new Coke Zero included. With the new packaging, which I will say the package, like the, the can, looks pretty sleek. I like the new design of the package. It's more on the red side than the black side like the old cans. The irony is... As eager as I was and skeptical of the new taste and all of that, and I was ready to have a very strong opinion, I've now had four of them, and I can't tell you what I think of them. (laughs) Because it tastes vaguely like Coke Zero, but that's all. I can't really go beyond that because of the taste situation. So I'll have to report back whenever my senses are restored to their full operating level. Because right now that's not the case. All right, Christine, I'm sure you've got questions. We have a few minutes left for those. Well, that was going to, a lot of those questions you already answered. But I have to ask you this because, um, as you said in the beginning of the interview, 
I am sometimes an excitable lady. And when things happen that aren't great, sometimes I panic. At any point during this whole thing, and especially the day you found out you had it, did like the blood drain for you? Were you terrified that A, you were by yourself in a different state from where you live? And that, oh, like, yes, I'm good. I know I'm vaccinated, but oh my gosh, this could potentially be really bad. Or do you just not have that sensor? Honestly, I never got to that point. I was actually more, I honestly was more concerned about what you might do in reaction to me telling you that I had tested positive. Like I was... (laughs) Envisioning you, you know, at your house or at a friend's house and getting the news and just running straight through and shattering a glass door and just running through the neighborhood streaked with blood or being, you know, if, God forbid you were driving and I called you and you just drove directly off a bridge in a panic. Like that was higher up on my list of concerns than my own physical state. And part of the reason was, and I talked about this at the top of the show when I announced my COVID positive status, the day that I had COVID, the day that I found out I had COVID, I was on the air for four hours. I was not tired. I was not feverish. I went for a run in the Texas heat. I did so again yesterday. Like the, the symptoms that I have, such as they even existed, were a light head cold that I would not have skipped a day of work for, typically, actually to Dr. Sapphire's point earlier this hour. So there was never really something that triggered in my head saying, okay, this thing that I'm currently feeling is an alarm bell. I'll say this also, the long COVID diagnosis where some people have these symptoms and they go on and on for months That's one of the reasons that I got vaccinated, and Sapphire was just saying your likelihood of having that happen much lower if you're vaccinated, also if you're younger. So I'm, you know, checking both of those boxes. The most concerning feeling that I've had over the last few days is what if I don't get my sense of smell and taste back fully for weeks? That would really suck. But again, in the scheme of things, that's not too bad. One more quickly, Curious Christine. Okay, uh, I'm going to name some names for you, and then I'm going to ask you a question. Uh, Laura Ingram, Sean Hannity, Tucker Carlson, Dana Perino, Martha McCallum. Uh, Any of those talent hosts called their producer at 9 p.m. over and over again. Do you think any of their producers would have answered saying, what, I'm a bottle in? No. I think you're a very unique cookie in that sense and i think you know that i'm right that's an easy question and we're out of time so is a one word answer which is appropriate no anyway feeling like 90 percent fine glad to have you here thank you for all the well wishes and notes that i've gotten already and we'll be back from another hotel we think in texas tomorrow on the guy benson show until then have a great night stay safe get vaccinated stretch on this Tuesday on the Guy Benson Show. If you're listening on the broadcast, I do believe this bumper song is Save a Horse, Ride a Cowboy. And I wonder how long do I have to stay in Texas to qualify for potential cowboy status? I don't know. I'd probably have to learn how to ride a horse, shoot guns. I'm woefully underqualified, clearly. But I am in Texas, so there's that. Glad that you're listening. So, last night... 
got a phone call from producer Christine just to debrief and check in. And Christine, not to call you out, but by any chance, had you been perhaps indulging in some mama's juice last night when we spoke? There could have been, you know, some mama's juice. Normally that doesn't happen on a Monday night guy, but I will say after uh, I missed seven calls from you on Friday night, I had decided to lay off the hooch the rest of the weekend. So I was kind of making up for last night. I see. So you went, you went Mm -hmm. Monday, you called me and I'm, it was not by any stretch out of control. You just seemed to be feeling pretty good. Uh, in yeah, our conversation, okay, I, yeah. I, I get yeah, I get a little happier, a little, maybe a little louder. Bobby always says that. You can tell for some reason when Cookies had some juice. <laughs> and speaking of that, and Bobby, he was listening to the home stretch yesterday on his commute. And for those mm-hmm. who didn't catch it yesterday, they can go back and listen on the free podcast, obviously at guybensonshow.com. But we talked about the experiments I'd been doing in my hotel room of what I could smell, what I couldn't smell, what I could taste, what I couldn't taste, and uh, that experimentation has continued. We have some updates there. But we talked about how when I finally did get in touch with you to share the diagnosis, you immediately described yourself as, quote, a bottle in or a bottle deep, if I recall correctly. And Bobby had an interesting reaction to that, hearing that exchange on the air yesterday. Yes, well, he was hearing all about your friends rushing to help you, and, you know, this one's calling and that one's concerned. And then you explain my part of the story. <laughs> and he uh, literally texted me and said, a way to make your family proud, Cookie. <laughs> I mean, so that's, what I do. He, that's what I do. He did not doubt the veracity of it, though, right? That clearly rang true to him as your husband. No, yeah, one, no, 100%. He didn't doubt the story. I, and I didn't deny the story. Uh, yeah, but no, yes, it's no, fact check true. He did say, he did say that it seems to be a pattern that whenever Guy is in, like, situation, I am not around. But any other time, I'm ready to chat. So, Oh, yeah, oh, no, you, you are on. ready to chat and <laughs> chat and chat when not needed at all times. And then in the very yep. rare instances where there's something urgent that needs to be conveyed, uh, cookie's MIA. Cookie can't be found. And so that this is why I actually have now saved Bobby's contact information in my phone so I can go straight to him because I think, you know, he's sort of a responsible adult who would respond to things in a timely manner. So I do want to bring an update to the audience about the food tasting situation here. So I believe it is improving. Right, that could be psychosomatic, it could be wishful thinking, it could be my brain and central nervous system playing tricks on me, but I don't believe that's true. I think it's improving. So I talked about my friends Josh and Lindsay yesterday, and they were very kind. Josh drove all the way up to where I was staying to drop off many different supplies, and food and Coke Zero and all this stuff, plus some actual medical stuff that Dr. Sapphire had recommended. And because this little prison sentence it's a pleasant prison but nevertheless has been extended because i keep testing positive they very kindly said hey do you need anything else and so Lindsay, josh's wife by the way josh is a strong conservative Lindsay, more left-leaning so this is a bipartisan effort in my convalescence which i appreciate she prepared two more meals for me both of which have now been consumed Last night, 
we were talking, Christine. We were on the phone together, and I was eating. It was flank steak, I believe, that was marinated. Then she had grilled bread. She had bell peppers and homemade burrata. Yep. And then a homemade, really pungent and delicious chimichurri sauce. And I was tasting all of it. I was tasting all of it. It was delicious. I, of course, enjoyed it with a nice cold Coke Zero Sugar, the new version that I still can't properly assess because my taste buds are not at peak performance, which they need to be for me to render a verdict on the new Coke Zero, of which I remain skeptical. But, I mean, so far, so good. So I had that. They had another whole Tupperware filled with fresh fruit. That all tastes normal. And then I was wondering what I might do for dessert, maybe some peanut M&M's, because I have some peanut M&M's as well that one of my other friends brought me. I I really have an all-hands-on-deck situation here, which is incredibly kind from everyone involved, and I'm very grateful. But you remember, Christine, we were talking on the phone, and then you could hear the room telephone ring, like the landline in the room. So I answered it, and it was... And you sort of seemed to recognize that I was on the phone with someone else, but you kept talking to me on the cell phone. I was like, Christine, I'm... You heard the phone ring. I am speaking to another individual. So I then had to hang up with you to go get a mysterious package that had been left for me at the desk. So I put on multiple masks, stayed away from everyone. He put the packages like on this front desk area, and I went over, took it, and then went on my merry way, came upstairs again, took off all my masks, and it was... A little care package from a place called Tiff's Treats, which apparently is very popular here in Austin because I posted some photos online and Austin residents were like, oh, yeah, that's the good stuff. Tiff's Treats, it came with a pint of Bluebell vanilla ice cream and then a container with eight cookies. I guess this place specializes in cookies. Somehow they were still warm. I don't know how this was possible. It was that quick and fresh of a delivery. And so, just as a matter of principle, I did, in fact, open the box, open the ice cream. There was a little note. says, we love you, guy. Hope you can taste these. And it was from Team Abbott. So Governor Abbott's team did this, just as sort of like a little pick-me-up, which I appreciated because I had gone for a run. What the doctors are telling me is, try to be outside, away from people as much as you can. Breathing in not, you know, stale hotel air, but fresh air. So I went for a run, actually, in the rain, away from anyone. I mean, there was no one out. Last night, I went up by the Capitol. I might do the same thing later. And so I said, okay, I've I've sort of earned a few sweet treats. So I had some of the ice cream. I could not eat the entire pint, and I don't have a freezer in the room, so I ate maybe a quarter of the pint, and it was really good. I could taste the vanilla. Then I had to say goodbye to the ice cream, which was sad. And then these cookies, I'm not a huge baked goods guy in general. These cookies were really good. The chocolate chip cookies were exactly the right kind of sort of chewy and gooey and warm. And I could, in fact, taste the chocolate, which was a taste I couldn't really discern the other day, which is good. And even with the underperforming palate, I was like, these are a problem. (laughs) These cookies, I had to force myself to stop. And you were, like, living vicariously through me as I described these cookies. You were, like, losing your mind on the phone. Tell me more. Send me photos. 
It was really good. It was extremely kind of the Abbott campaign. I saw. I tweeted about this with the photos. I saw one or two libs being like, oh, I see that they're bribing you. <laughs> you people are so miserable, honestly. I call them as I see them no matter what. And if you think I can be bought by cookies, I mean, maybe my friend Dan, right? He, Dan Duva, my buddy who's a sports broadcaster, is such a fiend for baked goods. He might risk COVID to enter my room and have these cookies, right? That's the type of sweet tooth that he is. I am not that. If you want to do a better job of trying to bribe me for, I don't know, positive coverage or something, good luck, because that's not how I operate, but it's going to be something other than cookies. Just just FYI, for people who might try and fail in the future. I, just, I mean, it's amazing what goes into people's heads. Like, oh, yeah, he's quarantining with COVID, and the governor of the state and his office and his team sent him a few cookies to be nice, normal, kind human beings, and some people are trying to figure out a way to make this a problem. I, I can't imagine living your life that way, but enjoy. Anyway, Christine, that's a lot about cookies. I still have six of the eight remaining. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to finish them on my own, and I can't really share them. That's the thing. I can't share anything with anyone right now. So I, I'm just sort of doing triage. I have to prioritize the cookies that I like the best, definitely the chocolate chip ones, and then, I don't know, see what happens with the rest of them. Although, truth be told, I have no idea how many more days I'm going to be stuck here. I could be out of here tomorrow or, I don't know, three, four days. It's an indefinite sentence, so to speak, which I guess it keeps me on my toes. There's that. I am such a baked good fiend. This is why I was so excited. And also, the minute you told me you had bluebell ice cream, I went crazy because I hear about this ice cream all the time and you cannot get it anywhere near us in the tri-state area. And I'm just dying to try it. So I guess yes, I'll have to... creamy. It was good. I mean, I, I feel the love. I feel the compassion. I heard from so many Fox colleagues and other colleagues and friends and family yesterday after I made the announcement, and I'm overwhelmed. I'm extremely grateful. Many of you have reached out in the audience. Thank you. Just making sure, are you really okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Like, I hope you can hear it in my voice. I mean, I'm, I am not suffering. Right, I had a mild cold for about two and a half days, and now I'm just in a, a holding pattern until I can test negative. That's it. I mean, I'm, I'm feeling good. It is an extremely mild case, which, again, statistically is much more likely when you've been fully vaccinated, which I have. Also, data showing shorter duration. I would say the symptoms, such as they were, were two to three days, as I mentioned. And so, yeah, I understand COVID is a scary thing and people want to check in and make sure everything's okay. But prayers and well wishes and all of that, of course, are welcome. But concerns and worry are unwarranted at this time. And I feel really good. Right. So I'm, I'm grateful. And really, right now, if you want to pray, if you want to hope, if you want to cross your fingers, Adam and I are supposed to go to two weddings of very close friends of his from college this coming weekend. Now, if I'm in the clear, I'm in the clear, and I've got all the antibodies, right? I'll be like the most safe person from COVID within a square mile. But I'm not going to be traveling unless I'm in the clear. And so I would love to not send my husband on his own to these wedding celebrations. I would love to accompany him and have a great time at these weddings and celebrate these couples. But 
We shall see. That has yet to be determined. Maybe I'll go for another run, breathe in all that fresh air, and then test again this evening. That was the recommendation of Dr. Sapphire, so I'll give it a shot. Drum roll. We'll see. Back here tomorrow, one way or another, with all of you. Thank you for listening. Until then, have a great night. Home stretch on the Guy Benson Show on this Wednesday. I'll be off tomorrow and Friday. Has nothing to do with the COVID positive test. This was scheduled for a long time. So we'll have guest hosts in here. Fabulous programming back here in person. Back home on Monday. Looking forward to that. GuyBensonShow.com is our website. The podcast free every single day. And joining me now for the home stretch is my friend Kelly Maher. We've had her on occasionally. Sort of every so often over the course of the last year, talking about her challenge that she set for herself. It was inspired during my wedding weekend back in 2019. She then dove into this thing. The homegrown year is what she called it. And she chronicled much of it at realbestlife.com. We caught up with her just a few weeks ago as she was getting near the end, you might even call it the home stretch, of this homegrown year. And now it's complete. She did it. Kelly Maher joins me now. Kelly, congratulations. Thank you, Guy. I appreciate it. I'm so excited for you. So for those who might be tuning in, have not heard from you before, have no idea what I'm talking about with this homegrown year, and realbestlife.com, just give them the very short elevator pitch. What did you just accomplish? I just lived off of the small urban farm that my husband, my kids, and I lived on just north of Denver, Colorado, for an entire year. Meaning you Meaning I ate entirely things that we produced. We did allow uh, hunting and fishing off of the property, but... I make cheeses from the goat's milk that I get when I milk our goats twice a day. I have chickens. I have ducks. I have a large garden. And this entire challenge was conceived at your wedding. Which is amazing. You were able to do some bartering, but there were very strict rules for that as well. And I have to say, the rules that were laid out and enforced with an iron fist by the commissioner of this whole situation, our friend Emily... They were pretty stringent. I absolutely would never have been able to do this, but you did it. You feel incredibly good. I know that your health, you feel like it's almost never been better. You lost a significant amount of weight, but in a very healthy way. Your doctors are happy. I mean, what a transformational year it has been. It was such a, it's such a weird type of thing to sign up for and to conceive of, but you know, like so many things that are really hard to do, it ended up being really, really deeply gratifying. I lost uh, 82 pounds over the course of the year. Uh, living, yeah, um, I mean, almost entirely, uh, zucchini grows really well here in Denver. So um, some friends called it the zucchini cleanse, but a lot of <laughs> goat cheese, eggs from our farm, zucchini, tomatoes, really fresh. Um, and managed to barter for some things that we can't produce. But, I mean, largely I went pretty clean living. And it kind of it changed my life, not just physically, but also emotionally. I have a new appreciation for how people lived for most of human history. And also uh, it gives new value to food, which is something that 
we all consume every day, but I, I for most of my life, had, had done it really kind of mindlessly, and it was really great to do it with intention. What was the single hardest moment, the single hardest experience over this year living off of your farm? I mean, there were some really heartbreaking moments where I thought that, like, this is over, there's no way I can do it. At one point, um, one of my sons, I'm not sure which one, snuck into the garage and turned off my deep freeze. And oh, so I, I had a moment where I walked into the garage and saw this, like, leaked whatever oh, was in the no. freezer all over the floor. And I felt my heart sink because I just thought, like, there's no way if all of this food is ruined, I'll be able to survive. You know, and how and did you overcome me, that? I, well, uh, cooked a lot of it that night. Um, <laughs> then refreeze it. Some of it, freeze dried it. Uh, really, you know, you have to pivot. But I have the luxury of if if I fail, knowing that I won't actually die. I will just fail. And you realize that so many people in the world and throughout history, something like that would happen, and it would really be truly devastating or life-threatening type of thing. And you just don't have that perspective until you do something crazy like this. So this clock expired when exactly? I remember you were tweeting about it a few days ago. When did you achieve the full year? So I did did August 1st, 2020 until July 31st at 12.05 p.m., which is when I ate an entire plate of tater tots and drank some champagne. Uh, <laughs> I was going to ask you, what was your first, your first meal was tater tots? I mean, it was midnight. What do you eat at midnight besides champagne and tater tots? I can't Okay, so 12.05 a.m. So it was like literally oh, just yeah, after midnight. I, I would have had, I don't know, I would have had a full year to think about it, and I would have really planned something pretty elaborate for that first midnight meal. Although, did you have the official big celebration, go crazy meal subsequently? We did. We did. We we woke up and went first thing was first, got a huge frozen latte full <laughs> of sugar. Um, I think that it almost killed me. And then uh, went to my husband's favorite Thai restaurant and just ordered basically one of everything on the menu because, um, you know, like ethnic foods aren't really something that I could do. Right. You couldn't really do that. Yeah. Right. Which makes sense. So you Mm -hmm. are now thinking about trying to write a book about this experience. And Uh I know you're just starting to kind of wrap your head around that process. And I saw someone give you some really strong advice on Twitter when you were tweeting about this, the intimidation factor of trying to write. And I forget who it was, but it seemed like really strong advice, basically saying, you've done the hardest part. You've done the thing for a year. Now you can just do little, no pun intended, bite-sized pieces of writing over the course of the next year. That should be, that should be simple by comparison. It was it was uh, Tim Carney is the one who gave me that advice and it was such good advice and I mean I admire him so much and you know I was thinking about it and I am so fortunate to have really really good friends who uh, have written books 
<clears throat> uh, everybody should go out and buy Mary Catherine and Guy's book, by the way. End of discussion, um, yes. End of discussion.com. Yes, exactly. End of discussion.com. Uh, but, you know, the thing is about having friends who do something so amazing, like write a book, is that then you can become the kind of person who thinks to themselves, like, well, I can write a book. Um, and and I, I really want to. I am very intimidated by the idea. But also, I have so many crazy stories, guys. I mean, I had pigs that started... Um, attacking and eating my chickens. I had my children who turned off the, the freezer. I had um, a dog who managed to eat like four of my turkeys. I mean, there are so many, and, and not just the challenges, but there were so many beautiful moments. I, I, I was so overwhelmed. I just wrote um, the first part of a piece about this. I was so overwhelmed by the support of people and of the community that came to me and, and held me up through this really, really weird challenge. And it wasn't people mocking me being like, who, who are you to think that you can do this thing? You know, people like you and other friends who've had me on their shows, people I don't even know, sending me food in barter across the country. Including members really of this audience. That crucial coffee barter. The guy that's an onion. Uh, and and it, like, like, the challenge was conceived as a kind of, you know, self-reliant challenge. But it really was humbling to realize how many people came to the table and stepped up for me on something so bizarre. I mean, it, there was just... There was so much beauty, and I look at things so differently now that uh, I, I learned a lot of lessons that I would like to hopefully do justice to and share with others. Yeah, no, I think it would be an amazing story to tell, not just on a piecemeal basis, on a few shows here and there and on your blog that you've written, realbestlife.com, but I feel like this is extremely well-suited for a book or maybe even frankly, something like a reality show, whether it's you or someone else, I think it's just amazing that you pulled this off. I had my doubts, honestly. I think, but you've I done think the it. reality show is me trying to make you do it. I think that's the reality show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that is a zero percent chance. Zero. Like, this, you know the, 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 the homegrown... Not... Oh, sorry, go ahead. You have a farm. You have a farm. I live in a city. I'm extremely proud yeah. when I eat some of the tomatoes and basil that we grow in an earth box on the back patio. That is my homegrown year. I've done it. Yeah, it's basically God, equivalent when, to when what you, you achieved. I, when you and I met, I lived in a uh, condo in the middle of a high-rise in the middle of the city. Like, you never know what you're capable of until you try it. Yeah, I also don't want to do this at all. So there's <laughs> well, also that. There's that. Uh, that's there's the key, key point. Uh, last question yeah. briefly before we have to go. You made all this progress. You ate so naturally. You lost 82 pounds. Now you've got sort of the buffet of modern food options before you again. The buffet is open again after your homegrown yeah. year. How are you going to try to balance going back to stuff that you love to eat and having all that freedom while also maybe retaining some of what you've done over the last year to maintain some of the healthy gains that you've achieved? 
You know, it's a really good question. And, and honestly, I have had a few days off and I don't think I want to go back. You know, people say like, oh, it's got to be so great to get out. And I, I was, as I neared the end of the year, I, I will be the first to admit, I kind of got scared. I had come to rely on the constraints of the homegrown year as like yeah. the thing well, that I did. Used, that's the thing. People get used to patterns. They get used to yeah. habits, right, and routines. And we've all been through a very strange year and a half without doing anything crazy like you just did. You had all of that going on at the same time. I think the story is just amazing. If you want to read more about it, see a lot of the photos of the food that she was creating, realbestlife.com. Also, Kelly, very kindly, when I tested positive for COVID, did not realize I was in Texas, so she sent soup to my house, so my husband got to eat that. Uh, So he thanks you, and I thank you for the thought. Kelly Maher, my dear friend, after her homegrown year has been completed, very, very proud. I'm sort of in awe of what you've done. Can't wait to see you, and I'll be honest, eat a nice restaurant meal with you very soon. Cannot wait. And with that, we are out of here. Tomorrow and Friday, guest hosts here on The Guy Benson Show. Nothing to do with my health situation at all. I'm fine. This was long scheduled. I'll be back on Monday. Great brand new Guy Benson shows, though, the next two days. Have a fantastic evening. Talk to you soon. That was this week's edition of Bonus Benson. For more Guy Benson Show, go to GuyBensonShow.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to be part of the conversation with me, Brian Kilmeade. I'll talk about the biggest stories of the day and get your take along with some of the biggest newsmakers around. Listen live on the Fox News app or get the podcast at BrianKilmeadeShow.com. The Will Kane Show is now dropping five episodes a week. Join Fox and Friends weekend host Will Kane as he tackles the latest headlines from his unique perspective, along with thought-provoking interviews with leading figures and live calls from viewers and listeners. Listen wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.